I am lucky to be alive. I heard this assault began in Littlefinger's brothel. Hi, Septon. This is a rather shocking thing to hear. I tend to both the highest-born and the lowliest amongst us. Even prostitutes may earn the mercy of the mother. So you were ministering to the needs of these devout prostitutes? A man's private affairs ought to stay private. start like that well zach i know we got pretty close in last week's episode when we were atop the wall together with terry but uh this is a new side of you i'm seeing <laughs> the listeners need you all right it's oh, not, it's oh not the listeners me. not you it was it's, it was a general i, I didn't know you. we were recording hello everyone oh. hi sorry for you all to drop in at this awkward eric <laughs> intimate moment eric's also back say hi to eric i'm back eric say hi to everyone hello everybody this is game of phones you're listening to us because you press play. Thank you for joining mm-hmm. us. We are yet again meeting for an evening of discussion. We're decompressing after watching this third episode. Hi, Sparrow. Hi, Sparrow. Hi, Sparrow. Hello, Jonathan Price. <laughs> Hello, Jonathan Price. Indeed. This episode had it all, gentlemen, and we know it. These episodes are just getting better, which is pretty cool. I mean, I don't know how they've been able to to keep up the um this this incline, this increase that they're they're climbing uh, up to higher and higher levels every week, but they're doing it. And it's really exciting to watch. Chaos is a ladder. <laughs> I thought it was a wheel. The wheels can be broken. They can be. But ladders cannot. Well, depends on what kind. There's a, a few really strong brands I've seen on infomercials. But this show is not commercially driven, as you know. Unlike other programs, we do not have advertising. We don't, we don't like that. We're just here to chat with you all about what's been happening in the world. And uh, in this particular world, we've all experienced, we've digested, we've Judging by the tonight's live Twitter activity, we've all felt similar emotions, judging by the owns that have been sent our way via Twitter, and I think also Facebook and stuff like that. I haven't really been on it because we were just recording now after watching the episode. Uh, everyone's excited. There's about four or five things that I feel like I could throw down right now. Perhaps an execution. Mm, <laughs> perhaps yeah. another marriage. Uh, perhaps a visit to a brothel and a few uh, masquerading disguises. I think the list goes on, my friends. That is true. That is very true. Where to start? Where to start, guys? At the beginning. Where else? Well, I don't know. I we, feel like we... you set me up for that. Oh, you, yeah. You were looking for that <laughs> particular you start answer. Singing now? <laughs> I would just say, though, I, I feel like with this particular episode, the pace started to pick up a little bit. I know that at least in the first episode, you always have the sense of setting the tone for the season and maybe things don't move as quickly as you would like. Last episode, I feel like we were getting there a little bit. We had John and Stannis, the debate over becoming Lord of Winterfell or Mm -hmm. becoming Lord Commander. And that was obviously a huge, huge moment. But really, uh, for me, what it comes down to is just so many key moments in this episode, uh, a big departure or or actually maybe it's not even a departure. (laughs) Maybe it's just a storyline that book readers are unfamiliar with. Uh, with Sansa uh, going to Winterfell and mm. what develops there. We were uh, obviously concerned once we heard that uh, <laughs> Baelish was not, in, in fact, looking to marry himself, but we were able to figure out uh, 
that he was going to marry off Sansa, and now we see to whom he plans to marry off Sansa, and Man. that in and of itself is unsettling. It all happens so fast, guys. And the power struggle <laughs> that is going to be going on in King's Landing between Cersei and Marjorie. Jeez. And how the High Sparrow plays into it. Just throwing it all I'm, on I'm us, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. I did not think after those scenes with uh, Marjorie and Cersei that one of those two ladies would be walking out of this episode alive. Wow, yeah. I was, I was pretty convinced that one of those two was going to be dead. I believe the... this is only the beginning. But I, I only mean... mentioned two things. And if you go through the entire episode, it's just there's a lot of pivotal moments. John laying down the laws, Lord Commander, mm-hmm. Tyrion, yeah, Varys, and right. Volantis. Beautiful. In comes Indiana Jorah to uh, <laughs> take Tyrion away <laughs> to Twi- the queen. Twitter celebrity, Indiana Jorah. The question of which queen? Yeah, he's, oh, I'm taking queen? you to the queen. Oh, we, see, this is this is what's happening. We're, we don't have moments to, I mean, all of you that are, maybe if you're listening for the first time, you don't really understand what's happening. We don't, we're, we don't have it. This is the moment where we first, I haven't spoken to anybody about the episode yet. This is it. This is where we have it. It's kind of hard to well, pace strike. things out. Well, strike, yeah, but he doesn't talk back, so it's easy for me just to. <laughs> he just kind of looks at me. We were walking outside just before I started recording, and there's uh, there's some people sometimes that are kind of scared of him because he looks like a dire right. wolf. This is completely uh, off topic, but uh, someone was kind of backing away because he's he's got kind of a mean face, even though he's just a very delightful uh, uh, little animal. And not very little, but uh, he's a pushover. <laughs> the person check this out. The person stopped and paused and like started to back away a little bit. And Strike, who is not mean at all, looks at him and goes, "Growl." <laughs> it's like it's like you you treat me like a. I'll be the dog that you yes. that you expect me to be. I said, "Good boy." We walked away. <laughs> I came upstairs. Um, now recording Game of Thrones. Uh, two things: Micah Baelish would marry himself if he could. Also, Sansa Stark was in Winterfell. Can I get an amen? Everyone listening, amen. Home, right, amen. amen. Sansa Stark in Winterfell. The North remembers. Yeah, she nearly tripped over Theon too, walking past. <laughs> that was that was just his a, name's not Theon. Oh, That's Reek. true. Nearly tripped over Reek. Oh, details. Yeah. Why don't we start there then? Because I feel like uh, that's going to be. Probably the most talked about set of scenes in this episode because it is a departure from what book readers are familiar with. Mm-hmm. It goes past at least uh, what we anticipate to be Sansa or Jane's uh, storyline. And now she has gotten to Winterfell. She has met Roose Bolton, met Ramsay mm-hmm. Bolton, and... Really, uh, I tweeted this out on our Game of Owns account uh, as I was watching it uh, because I was looking at the scene between her and Baelish just before they passed through Moat Caitlin and then thinking to myself, as she's standing there in front of Roose Bolton, she's playing the game. Yeah, that curtsy, that solidified it for me. That's the first time that I've seen her play the game i mean you you think for a second that she's gonna hit him like her mother hit him and she freaking should but she doesn't she curtsies and says lord bolton and yeah there was a pause there too huh that's just it for me yeah that pause and he seems to say with his eyes he's smizing at her uh smiling with his eyes he knows good girl yeah i think he does that that arrival it was just the way they were standing it was season one king robert coming to town Except there's a yeah. new family in Winterfell. They don't belong there. They don't belong there. And it was, it, honestly, it was, it felt nice to come back to a familiar place, even though it was in a state of disrepair. 
It was just so strange seeing uh, after it after it cut back to it later on in the in the episode and Theon was cleaning the ground. I don't know what he was cleaning because it's pretty it's dirt, but he was picking up <laughs> rubble. And yeah. and Sansa was walking by, and I just thought I kind of had a moment where you remember when Gandalf fought the Balrog, and he 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 went into a moment where he passed through several life ages of the planet. And it just everything happened within what was a, a, a moment to us. Something flashed over me. I was, I thought of the times when we all began this and how long it's been. Like I was in college when the show came on. <laughs> and when yeah. we were in Winterfell and Theon and Sansa were, were walking around. And it's just, it's just, it's so different now. But we're back there. It's, it's all, yeah. it's, it's happening. You know what I mean? I, I called him Theon. You call him Theon. Micah corrects us, Reek. But this episode was loaded with those moments where there's these uh, moments of like recognition coming through Reek's eyes. Uh, for instance, the flayed men that they're hanging by the gates, which are very clearly meant to remind us of uh, Bran and Rickon's doubles, those farmer's boys that Theon strung up there. It's almost as if upon arriving, the Boltons found those corpses. And it's like, oh, this is a great place for corpses. And now they're going to stash their enemies there. Look how much they look like our sigil. It's almost perfect. That was very uh, hard to, to, to watch. But but to see Theon or Reek's uh, reaction to it, and to see basically how he's hiding his view himself from... Sansa, there's very clearly an understanding of even if he identifies as Reek, he knows who he once was, and he knows that that person caused great harm to this girl. You know, like, she has to smile and bear it for Bolton for the time being, but I I just don't think that Theon or Reek has that same protection from her. And I think he knows it too, that's why he's hiding. It's a good point, because if she recognizes him, he's as good as dead. Right? I mean, does... does I believe that. Yeah, I'm wondering because Bolton may have killed her brother and mother or been responsible for, you know, betraying her brother and mother. And then Theon killed her two younger brothers, her youngest brothers. As far as she knows. As far as she knows. There's nothing to, at this point, suggest otherwise, uh, even though Roos knows the truth. Yes. Uh, if you remember from, uh, mm. was it last season, he sends our good friend Locke uh, mm. after uh, Bran and Rickens. So, Quinn, great actor. Ingo. I would say, though, that Theon is in a perpetual hell here because of what he did and, and the way that he left Winterfell. Uh, you know, because of his actions, it, it really allowed Ramsay and, and the Boltons to take over the North inadvertently. Yeah. And so the fact that he has to go back and live in a place where uh, he was responsible for its ultimate destruction is probably going to play with his mind even more so than Ramsey does. You're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, he not only that, but he grew up there. Um, and you pointed out the scene where they put up the uh, two flayed men, yeah. and mm-hmm. that is meant uh, to be a reminder to him of what he did to those two boys that he pretended were Bran and Rickon. And what is it with the scenes where immediately following something disgusting, Ramsey is sitting down and eating? <laughs> Just delicious helpings of fatty meats. Well, I, you know, with Ramsay, I feel like, I mean, what you're saying basically is that- He did it with the sausage after yeah. he yes. cut off Theon's yes. tongue cheek. Uh-huh. 
and actually Bolton has to tell him to stop eating <laughs> so that he can tell him more of the exposition about who he's going to marry. That was a beautiful scene, though, where he was essentially – not only do we have the imagery of what we can literally see in Winterfell of the men without skin hanging in a place where <sighs> the Starks used to govern. Think about that for a moment, how different it is. And it, it, Apart from that, it's already been terrible, but just this is a, this is a rough time. Essentially, yeah. the war is air quotes over right now. There's not a bunch of men out battling outside, but still, it's it's hellish for everyone involved. And we've got the two Boltons now uh, in the long hall where we used to see other people enjoy spreads of delicious food. And oh. the, the 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 governing there is what was it, Lord Kerwin, who was flayed living along with his wife and brother. And <laughs> the son watched. So afterward, the new Lord Kerwin did pay his taxes, and it's just like. <laughs> Not only, you know what I'm saying? Like, not only do we have the physical imagery, but this is this is how they're handling things right now. The, the North remembers. I just, I'm, I feel so bad for Sansa and her new nuptials, her new wedding engagement, because I, I really didn't think that she would ever be paired with anyone as awful as Joffrey. But this bastard, <laughs> Ramsay, or no longer bastard, uh, the correctly born son of Roose Bolton, Ramsay Bolton, is now dotting his I's and crossing his T's and, and playing the role of this lord who is going to kiss her fingers and never, ever make her... What did he say? He'd never... Never hurt her. Never hurt her. Yeah. I just don't Do we know, know that? I can buy it. I'm not sure. Honestly, she is... I mean, I would like to say she's the key to the North, but she's not. We know little Liana Mormont and how she feels about things. And we know in general just how <laughs> legendary and how it, how much it matters, the, these family names, and how much it matters to to all the people that follow seven deities, to the people that follow the old gods that pray to uh, trees that have faces on them. Like We understand how much something like a Stark being in Winterfell means to these northern people. They're still very much traditional versus the uh, more money-grubbing, modernistic people of the South, as it were. So I think that it, it, it emotionally matters, and I think that it's important that that now that they're on a playing field, like what Bruce was saying to Baelish, they don't, and also to Ramsay, they don't have the same structure that they had before. Tywin Lannister is dead, so they're going to have to start playing by some kind of set of rules because the Lannisters aren't going to send an army that far north. It's just not going to happen. So they have to play around with people like Peter Baelish and 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 divvy up their concerns and try to find a way to uh, hold what they have taken. And I think that keeping Sansa in good spirits is part of it. But Sansa clearly, after the scene we saw at Moat Kaling, can I just say, beautiful, beautiful overlook. Finally, we get a proper proper view of this place and, and yeah. all of its mystery and grandeur. And you can feel the history involved with it. We know that it has long, long tales. If you've followed along with us in the books or if you've read the books on your own, how, yeah. how much this is important, geographically speaking, uh, to the lands of the North. So it was cool to get... I felt like it was kind of like when you're watching, I, I want to compare it to like Lord of the Rings and you see something like Weathertop Amonsul or you see uh, the Falls of Raros. You see these other like great set pieces that have history involved with them. It's mm -hmm. cool when we're in a, a story that has so much history involved with these locales that aren't necessarily in the current line. You know what I'm saying? Like being in Hogwarts and knowing how many hundreds of years things have happened there and the history involved with it. But like I felt like they gave it, they gave it very good honor in this shot and just the way um the gravity and and even how when it panned over to pod and brienne just 
will go around. Like how it's this is a place that needs to be crossed in order to go to where they're going. It's just it felt mm-hmm. it felt very well done. It felt honor honoring to the the source material, which I think is is very wise that they're continuing to do that, even though so many changes have been made in the current season. Definitely, and and they didn't have to. I mean, they they could have definitely worked around it if they wanted to, uh, and and not even show it. But I I really. Like that respect, they chose right? to incorporate it. Yeah, we we see Theon last season ride up to help Ramsay take Bo Caitlin, mm-hmm. and so uh, this was a much different perspective, an aerial type of perspective, and it it couldn't help uh, but remind me uh, even more when Baelish and Bolton uh, are talking and and they are basically verbally agreeing to some sort of alliance when. Uh, Roos starts to get a little bit uneasy about this agreement that the two of them have and where that really positions him in the long run because he doesn't trust Baelish, uh, and he shouldn't. But no. Baelish, uh, to his point, is somebody who's been given everything by the Lannisters, and yet here he stands in Winterfell uh, making deals with the Boltons. And there's that great line about how the last time... The, the Lords, Lords of the Eerie... Yeah. And yeah, and the Lords of the North rode together. They tackled the biggest dynasty. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was awesome. Awesome line. But I wonder so what Baelish is I really wonder what Baelish is playing at. I mean, he 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 has essentially given the key to the north to the enemy. And not only our but who's enemy, enemy. Well, not only our enemy, because we love the Starks. But his enemy, because here's the man who's actually most directly responsible for killing Catelyn, the only woman he ever loved. We saw what he did to the last person who got in the way of that. It was, what, Lady Lysa, and he threw her out the moon door. I'm happy, though, that you brought that up, because I think (laughs) that if Catelyn is really somebody that he had this level of deep affection for, that his response to meeting the man responsible for her death would be much, much different. I, I, I really question Baelish's motives and his true self and, and feelings. It, it's shocking to me because he keeps grabbing Sansa by the back of her head and speaking an inch away from her face. I wrote in my notes, why are these scenes always so effing awkward? <laughs> that inside of his character is, say if we're comparing him to a Ferris, they're, they're both masterminds in their own regard. Ferris sure. is, is, is trimmed. He doesn't have the same concerns. And that's been kind of a theme that we've spoken about over the years, how these particular motivations uh, do something to distract men like love is the death of duty or duty is something I forget the exact quoting surrounding that we've, but, but George has definitely made this uh, theme present in the books. And I think that it's just a weakness that Baelish is that he has where he is a very strong person in the ways of moving forward in the world for himself. This thing is obviously standing in his way. Like, Perhaps his his planning would have would, would have gone so much smoother if he didn't have to travel with a Sansa Stark and and disguise her. He could have still been Lord of the Vale. He could have still murdered Lysa. He could still be making these deals if he needed to make these deals without having someone that he's so fond and physically attracted to around him. But I think that on top of that, this could bode well for him. Depending on what this is supposed to be, it's still not clear because this is a shaky situation for the Boltons. They're very aware of how different everything is now that Tywin Lannister isn't ruling with an iron fist. Everyone says that he, you know, he held it together, but now we have Jamie who has no allies. We have the Dowager Queen who is losing power day by day. I'm curious as to what those relationships will will turn into 
And I'm curious as to how Sansa's present will presence will really change what's happening in the north, especially with the onslaught of Stannis Baratheon hopefully coming down swiftly, swiftly yeah. upon Winterfell. Within, within a fortnight, right? Within a fortnight. You know, regarding uh, Baelish's true intentions here and why he didn't also just kill Roos upon first sight for his love for the Starks, um, it, the key may lie in the dialogue of the things that he told Sansa when he was holding her oh so closely. Um, he says things to her like, stop running, and you loved your family, avenge them. But he's marrying her to this uh, character who we know is a monster. And like, what? just what does he expect her to do exactly? His lines are, you love, you love your family, avenge them. How is that? How is that? That's not simpatico. Like, it doesn't add up. You know what I'm saying? That he should have this alliance, which is uh, very formal. And and certainly pisses off um, Ramsay's concubine. Um, I noticed, and then and, the, and then at the same time expect just uh, a bit. Expect her to somehow be violent, even though I think her natural tendency, everyone's natural tendency, uh, in who is you know who knows what the Boltons have done should be to attack and kill them. But maybe he needs to do that in a way that's a little bit more delicate, considering he's now surrounded by. Uh, all of the Bolton's men. Well, this this clearly can't be all that Peter Baelish is up to. We we know that he's several several moves normally ahead of what we're able to see, especially true. in the show. And I think that his his grand plan is to see whatever is befalling Westeros. Like he's already made out pretty well. Let's let's just say the War of the Five Kings is over, even though you know some kings are dead, some are dead in the books, some aren't dead on the show that we know of. It's 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 become interesting. We've had another wedding. In this episode, things are different, obviously, but let's say that we're at a point, a grace period. He's now one of the great lords of Westeros, like Roose Bolton pointed out. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's the truth. That's the case. What is he also? He holds Harrenhal and also the Vale, which is very interesting. I mean, he's the Warden of the East, essentially. I don't know if he's technically been, been termed that, but mm-hmm. he's uh, he's definitely got a seat and he's definitely got a lot of men with uh, banners billowing in the background. Like, we understand what's happening with Peter Baelish right now, but I don't think this is enough. He's waiting diligently and he's making friendships and alliances talking to the queen and also talking to the warden of the north in the same episode get real now yeah you know i was I'm really surprised to hear or to see that he's still in contact with cersei not by choice i think the yeah. fact that he was able to be reached was a bit surprising to him yeah That's true. But I'm very interested in what she thought needed doing immediately. <laughs> yeah, something um, that he would obviously uh, have some control over, and maybe we'll uh, get a bit more insight into that in the next episode. Yeah, I hope so. This is intriguing. It just, it just shows what he, what she thinks he's currently doing, and she didn't know that he was at uh, which I think is important. Yeah, I mean, whatever face he's putting, you have to put on, you know, a face for these kinds of affairs when you when you're using. Yeah. When you're doing all of these secret things in your own agenda, he at least needs to save face for the time being with the Lannisters because there still is one or two of them alive. Baelish, though, he has a plan. To Zach's point, there's something that he is working on that is underlying all of this because I don't think he would put Sansa in this position unless he's looking to achieve some sort of goal. Well, see, that's interesting because I feel... There's some recklessness about him. Like, I feel like he's kind of sending her to do his business for him now. And it's just like, I don't know if she's ready or been properly prepped or anything like that. I don't know. I'm not sure if she would follow him. 
Yeah. After all said done. But he's basically like, does he expect her to just tear the Bolton's faces off for him? Like, in this situation, how far along into the marriage does he expect her to get? And it's just, it's all very, very mysterious and unclear. But I kind of hate the guy a little bit more for putting her in this position to marry this uh, this Ramsey character who's even worse than Joffrey was. I don't think that Sansa is the same person that was going to be married to Joffrey, though. Oh, clearly, yeah, no. She is a much more mature character. A force now. Mm-hmm. A force, yes. Yeah, she is. What I was surprised by, though, and I mentioned this when I was tweeting during the show, is that Baelish has no insight into who Ramsey Bolton is, which just... <sighs> confuses the hell out of me because between him and Varys, they know more about everybody in Westeros than anybody in Westeros. So uh, the fact that he doesn't have any information on who Ramsay is, what he likes to do in his spare time, and that's being very, very nice uh, yeah. in, in terms of the type of character he is. Yeah, well, can we take him at his word? I mean, we look. We've read in the even where we've read in the books, we knew that the the reputation of the bastard of Bolton uh, far preceded him before uh, before he. Well, Theon was hearing about him way back when Theon was first uh, seizing uh, Winterfell, and uh, we knew about all the terrible things that you he could did. be right. Maybe he's just playing the game. I, I yeah, it'd be hard to believe that he's not. Although mm. it just really begs the question. How did this alliance? How could this? How could he put Sansa through this alliance? What does he have to gain out of this whole thing? What is he really playing at here? Maybe it helps just to decrease any kind of suspicion if Baelish acts completely oblivious to who Ramsay is, because Roose knows how shitty Ramsay is. Ramsay knows how shitty he is. I mean, how <laughs> how can you not? So if Baelish were so aware of this, then would it be possible that he would put? Sansa in such a dangerous situation knowingly like isn't it a little better if they think they have something up on on him if if they're to trust him it, it bodes a little bit better if they think that they have one on him rather than Baelish is is having one on them yeah no I mean in this in this sort of calm before the the war continues it's sort of a I guess a reprieve or a respite like there's there is a, a sort of downtime that each of our characters across the realm have been able to utilize for like kind of rebuilding you know this the uh cersei has taken this time um they're marrying you know they're marrying Tominoff in this episode kind of continuing this whole ruling thing that they're trying to do there and uh john is getting rearranged at the wall with stannis preparing to depart and the boltons are doing their thing with baelish and it's like this is the the war is essentially uh, over, as you mentioned. The kings of the, the five kings are nearly all dead, and there's some still some struggles to happen. We know where Stannis is headed, and it's you know for King's Landing eventually by way of Winterfell, and it, it's just there is this is sort of a calm time for all that you know happened in this episode and how exciting it was. It's still that slow drum of like a of a this slow beat of a drum that is really ramping up to when these houses are actually going to fight each other and actually, you know, in sort of open combat type stuff. I can't help but wish that Sansa wasn't involved in this and that she were able to go to somewhere like Bravos, like her sister, or yeah. to Volantis, the beautiful, like we, we got such a beautiful view of that place in this episode. That was amazing. And much like the Moat Caitlin shot, I feel like it's it's just uplifting to see that in season five, episode three, it's still very important to those creating the show 
that even passive viewers feel the breadth and the scope of where this story is based, you know? Because I think mm-hmm. that at the end of the day, uh, it, it does well to give uh, something to chew on for people like us that are so involved in the, the lore and that completely nerd out over it. But I'd like to think that even the passive viewer can walk away from watching these episodes feeling Westeros and feeling Essos and feeling the geography and the scale of where we are. I think it, I think it does well to strengthen the overall story. But it's just it's just cool at the end of the day to take away. And I just wish that you know she was not in Winterfell right now under the thumb of Littlefinger and of this family doing those things. And I'm very, very interested. I think it's intriguing uh, to see how this, how this plays out because you're right. This is, this is a very calm moment. And I think that when things go down, it's just, you know, so many of the, so much of the hierarchy before that was established and in a, a peacetime are gone. These are people that have been able to rustle up the dust during uh, the past seasons and the past, you know, handful of months, a few years, let's say, of mm-hmm. drama and, and, and place themselves in these strategically uh, located positions of power. But what happens when it happens again? And who's going to take the spot now? Because we have Jon Snow as Lord Commander doling out the harshness. We've got <laughs> we've got uh, Bruce Bolton as the Warden of the North. You know, the seasons back, he was Rob's right hand dude, essentially. Like, and and yeah. their their whole tactics against the Lannisters, who the leader is now dead, and now Tommen just can't wait to be king himself, dancing away, getting married. <laughs> did you do that on purpose? No, <laughs> Micah did that. <laughs> but yes, oh, I did. Okay. Uh, <laughs> We're big on using Disney as uh, examples oh, for gosh. our uh, feelings as they relate to Game <laughs> oh, of Thrones. Man. But that was just so weird. Uh, Tommen in the books, obviously, is even younger than he is uh, in the show, and and now we know why they aged up Tommen from where he was uh, when he was originally cast. But Tommen, uh, he he's enjoying himself. He's enjoying his wife. He is just four times. Uh, I don't know what it was. Day hour. I feel very. Pro- I feel very protective <laughs> of of Tommen because I feel like uh, Marjorie may no longer have his interests at her heart at all. Uh, if she ever did, I, no. That first scene with them from uh, was it last season? Does yeah. Cersei though? Oh, but that was clear though, Eric. Come on. After you no, mean, but Sir like, Pounce uh, with Sir Pounce involved, oh, it seemed like they might be good for each other, and <laughs> oh. her her actions in this. Uh, Whole episode, we're 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 just one after the other, scene after scene, uh, completely destroying my hopes uh, for the two of them, and it's 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 very, it's just it's it's a little. I was a little unnerved to be honest. I'm just gonna lay it all out. I'm there. sorry, I'm, buddy. I'm, I'm a little upset that she kisses and tells. Can I get you some cake or perhaps some pomegranate juice? I would love some pomegranate over. juice, please. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm I'm upset that she kisses and tells. I don't know who this gaggle of women and... are now that she's expected to keep around. I thought she was better than that, honestly. I thought that she was above these, uh, what, did, what did Cersei call them? Fluttering hens or something like that. Uh, you know, who, who walk around and, and dote uh, on her every word. But it's the queen I don't know, now, Marjorie's, man. Marjorie's behavior, yeah, as queen, it might be expected of her, but she seemed to really enjoy just spilling all the secrets. And I don't know. <laughs> I thought I do. I think marriage. Call me old fashioned, but I think that kind of stuff should stay between the boy, the boy <laughs> king, know. and his and his woman. I don't, get it. Am I am I wrong? No, listen, here? you're completely right. You're completely right. But I mean. This is Marjorie Tyrell. You know, this wedding was shot in a montage format for a reason. Yeah. Because we've yeah, had yeah. lots of weddings in, in the series so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a uh, beautiful, beautiful shot of the sept. 
Uh, again, just grand establishing scope. I know I'm harping about this, but it just felt so good this episode. It's so nice to see this deep into the show that it matters so much still because it means something. And the wedding looked great. It looked better than anything that's happened. I mean, like, it just keeps progressing. It looked beautiful. And then it cut right from a marriage to the marriage bed. So for the sake of time, we're moving yeah. forward. And for the sake of time, he finished quickly. Um, <laughs> yes. It was all about the pacing. All about the pacing. <laughs> I want to see the extended cut of this uh, episode. No, no, no. But I, I did shout at the screen when they were getting married. I shouted, every wedding needs a bedding in my best Walter Frey voice. Uh, but then they showed it to us and I was like, oh, shit. Not as good I as actually, I thought. Yeah. Not as good as I thought. No, no, no. Uh, no, like Marjorie, uh, her famous line from season, is it two, when she's with uh, Baelish in Renly's camp oh, is, yeah. I don't want to be queen. I want to be the queen. And she is still uh, plotting actively to denounce Cersei further. And, th- and that was difficult, uh, but ultimately pleasing to see uh, in this. But but no, I, I think she's still playing at some sort of, it's a, like additional power grab. She has all the power now. She is the queen. And she's still kind of going at it, kind of getting... For, for As someone who didn't have anything to do with Joffrey's murder... Um, it's kind of shocking how ambitious she's she still is in her actions in this episode, I think, in order to further denounce Cersei and kind of claim the boy all to herself or whatever she's playing at. So, I mean, trying to get Cersei's son away. She didn't waste any time there trying yeah. to get Cersei away. Immediately nah, go to Casterly Rock. <laughs> He's like, that's not her so, voice, but <laughs> that's what it was she, just don't, my don't impersonation. You miss it, <laughs> don't you miss right? Yeah. Rock? <laughs> brushing her hair but she'll always be her baby boy she'll never let you out of her sight it's yeah. like laying it on thick and then we see you know Tommen with with Cersei who is getting explored very interestingly I feel like people could walk away from this feeling sorry for her almost in a way after after what she's gone through and especially after you know meeting the high sparrow and the, and the the circumstances that she did I feel like we're seeing almost a different Cersei that's like off of this high horse like i can't necessarily be on this high horse now i have to kind of change my tactics if i want to continue playing the game and i feel like maybe some people would walk away feeling possibly sorry for her after the little the 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 back and forth she had with uh marjorie but i hope people remember cersei lannister for the person that she is and what she's done Um, not, not to say that she's any worse than many many people uh in the series that we either love or hate just that's what it is but uh you know immediately in their conversation with tom and you know, throws it right back at Marjorie. Both of these women are kind of, you know, taking advantage of his youth and uh, speaking indirectly and throwing daggers at each other through him. It's it's kind of fun to watch. I remember back when uh, we had Terry on the first time and we were doing our season four recap and season five look ahead. And one of the things she talked about was she really wanted to see the dynamic that was created between Cersei and Marjorie in King's Landing because this was the power struggle that we were going to bear witness to in in season five in this particular area and i think that that's starting to come to pass and we shouldn't forget that marjorie is a woman tommen is really still a boy and she's going to do everything in her power she knows what cersei is she has uh, the queen of thorns as her grandmother she she's very well aware of how to play this game and i think you're finally starting to see marjorie more uh, as the player that Eric mentioned back in season two, we, we got a little bit of a glimpse of, and, and here she is and she's using her beauty and she's using her sexiness to, uh, really win over Tommen and, and try and get her mother-in-law 
booted out of King's Landing and back to Casterly Rock so she doesn't have to deal with her anymore. And I yeah. think that we're slowly starting to see people emerge that maybe were in the background a little bit as players in this game. We talked about Sansa earlier. I think Marjorie is another person that we need to pay close attention to this season. Micah, I'm interested to know how you feel about this. Uh, we've seen some of their back and forth and I know that you've you've obviously you're obviously representing the Selid among us like how's this depiction as it compares to the books or just yeah, and just in general in general books, but how do you feel about it I mean I like it I, I you know I thought it was going to inter uh, <laughs> erupt into a, a cat fight at one point uh when the two of them were were talking with each other it was it was but, all but these really pleasantries really, anything masked. you need anything yeah. at all anything <laughs> Yeah, just interrupting her when she was talking about uh, you, you could be the queen grandmother. She just like steps in her face. Oh, it's, something was going to happen there. Something. She's like, I'd get you wine. But it's, but it's a little for early for the rest of us. <laughs> I, I think that also Cersei is doing a poor job of, of keeping those close to her that she can influence. And we we talked about Kevin Lannister uh, a couple episodes ago and the small council meeting and the fact that she does nothing to really endear herself to her uncle and now he's gone. We know Jamie has gone off to Dorne, so her brother is now out of the picture, at least for the time being. And with what happens with the High Septon, maybe not somebody who was a very close ally of hers, but now she's removed him from the picture and she's seemingly uh, gone into an alliance with an unknown, and that's the High Sparrow. We don't really know too much about who he is, yeah. what his larger purpose is, and how he's going to impact the events that are going to take place in King's Landing. So I think it's very risky, uh, the direction that she's going in, and, and her decision-making is questionable. Well, he was fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. It was good to watch. And I mentioned before um, that I thought that I, I that based on their little uh, almost cat fight there that one of those women would be leaving the show for good by the end of the episode. But instead, Cersei finds God or something, you know, like she goes on her little quest. She uh, finds the High Sparrow. Great to finally see Jonathan Price in action. And she seems to want to, well, I mean, she, she jailed uh, the other High Septon, put him in the, that's a nice word for it, <laughs> um, and seems to want to install this very, um, you know, give you the shirt off the, his own back kind of uh, guy, this High Sparrow, in the High Septon's place. And it's it's very interesting because I still see it as like an, an extension of how she's going to get back at Marjorie, but I don't see the lines that really connect it to where... How is this her recourse? She's the same woman who said, if you ever call me sister again, I'll strangle you in your sleep. And Marjorie in this episode is calling your mother and then questioning, uh, you know, what her proper yeah. title is. And oh, then she goes and finds hard. God. <laughs> it's like, okay, this is weird. That's still, that's, that's, that's very interesting. Marjorie now being the queen. Oh man. She's, and she's playing like the better person in this situation by not lashing out, which I don't think. I think it's. I mean, is that weak of her? That's. It's definitely more honorable of her not to not to be the kind of person that would punish someone for the things that they did when you're in the seat of power. And we've kind of seen in the past how honor uh, affects the lives of those and of those around them. But you're mm -hmm. right. She uh, 
She walks the steps. She passes on a bowl of brown. Finally, <laughs> getting to see that very, very well depicted, I'd say. And, <laughs> she uh, didn't we, like the smell too much. No, she had her little kerchief, and uh, it made sense. But it was very, very interesting to see her there amongst all of the starving folk of King's Landing. We get introduced to this character that we've been wanting to see for a long time. I know that I've personally uh, couldn't wait to see this man on screen uh, ever since he was announced as being cast in the show. And uh, again, not disappointed. I felt like he brought just an elevated level of presence to the lens. I think we can all agree to that. Mm -hmm. And for the type of character that he's playing, I think it was completely necessary. This very enlightened person that Cersei clearly is trying to use that's clearly what's happening, but he knows. I feel like he's his knowing presence uh, permeates through the situation, and I'm very interested to see where this goes completely and the level that she'll even feel comfortable uh, ha- like handling someone like this man. Because I think at the end of the day, like even she's a little bit taken aback by how how straight up and pure and grounded this person is. So. It's yeah. it's kind of hard not to like her more when she's seen on screen having an a- amiable conversation with someone like this. It's not yeah. something we've seen her do before. Absolutely. He's so gracious when she shows up and he's so just, as you mentioned, pleasant. And it's important to consider that he is just playing a game like everyone else in Game of Thrones and that his sect... Uh, did still cause the High Septon to be, what would you say, flogged and walked uh, across town in in the nude. Like his the the uh, contrasting when Cersei first meets him with the scene previous where the Septon's being pulled out of the brothel very forcefully by uh, Lancel and the other you know Sparrow disciples or whatever you'd call them uh it's just it is clear that this is not necessarily a completely peaceful order that they are sort of activists they are very um at times i Radicals. think they can be radical thank you so much yeah yeah radical i'm glad um, you brought that up though Secton. so so that, it that is, you noticed that yeah 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 important. i i did because he's a very like again just a gracious dude who's like uh, oh yeah, I, why don't I have shoes? It's because somebody needed them more than I do. But he, he controls a pretty radical wing from what we've seen. And furthermore, um, I, I feel like he knew what Cersei was, or he, he mentioned that he wasn't, uh, what, seeking to replace the High Septon, but when she kind of half asked him, he kind of half smiled about it. So I feel like he was, in fact, in the end, just. Well, what's like, better? Someone like him or someone that, is playing, you know, servant to someone wearing Oliver wearing a fake beard, playing as a maester in a brothel. He's like, I'll take the mother. He's like, you always take the mother. He's like, and the stranger. And he's like, okay, well, it's you know, you got to pay double for two. He's like, I get that. Like that. First off, uh, kind of a funny scene ends very dramatically. Yeah. Um, look, what's what's the better situation? Yeah. What is it with all these high septons and grand maesters? They are a bit perverse. Yeah. Well, it's it's the vow of chastity. It never quite works out. <laughs> Pycelle got all defensive during the uh, <laughs> yeah. council meeting. Yeah, look at him reaching out to fellow. <laughs> oh, man, uh, private life should not be it's like. <laughs> and Cersei like gave that. him that sideways glance. Walk I don't know why he's the love still... of God, Pycelle. Just walk normal. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there there was a moment in there, and I, I won't go into detail about it. I'll just say in that sequence that was – 
foretelling of things to come later on this season. And you'll know it when you see it, but that's all I'll say. They're going to start serving bowls of brown at the Capitol? Is Marjorie taking yes. it this far? Uh, they already said. Zach yeah. broke through. <laughs> I'm sorry. Discovered the key. I've read all the books. <laughs> I wonder if, uh, yeah, I wonder if Marjorie knows anything about this Septon guy. Or, yeah, Sparrow. Sorry. The Sparrow guy. Captain Jack Sparrow? <laughs> Jack, Jack Sparrow. <laughs> no, because she's into charity, right? And that seems like this guy's shtick for now. We'll I don't see. know. I'd be interested in seeing. I, I just I love the idea that this is some sort of recourse that Cersei's got some kind of plan to get back at Marjorie because she is being completely um removed from from power very methodically, very uh quickly as well. It's like you if she blinks, she could lose everything that she's attained just by the sheer force of will through. And doesn't it put Tommen in a really bad position though, because mm-hmm. he's stuck as a boy. I'm I'm still not willing to despite his you know, hey, he's King Tommen, Micah. He is King Tommen. All right, in, in more ways name. than one. <laughs> First of his he, name. He's half lion, half stag, and proved yeah. it very well. Yeah, uh, he's but exhausting. Podrick's got some competition. He <laughs> is stuck between these two women who are extremely wise and and extremely uh, tactical in in how they approach the game and he's going to be in the midst of this power struggle between the two of them. And he's got to figure out which one he ultimately wants to please. Is it his mother or is it his wife? And that really is a shit situation for him to be in. It's rough. And he's being handled by both of them. And I mean, it's, it's has everything to do with the the power that's present and his age. And I'm at this point I'm not sure because both both of these characters are adept at manipulation against grown people and uh, that have you know their wits about them and and Tommen loves both of them and so like they don't have many barriers to go against it's just kind of a back and forth at this moment so you know we're only on the third episode of this season and this is clearly going to be an arc that we'll be following so I'm I'm curious to see how it how it goes on one hand we have the queen mother on another hand. We have the queen. And we're going to have to wait and see how they plan to play out their game and who's going to ultimately emerge victorious. Keep in mind, this is the Cersei that as a child went to a little cabin in the woods and had a seer tell her that this would happen. You know, yeah. we, we there was another shot of her in a litter and they were sh- on the way to the wedding, if you remember, and they were shouting Queen Marjorie. They were just calling out to this queen and it just... I couldn't help to think back to um, the same advance to the same location um, mm. when we cut from the the I will call it hazardly a flashback. Flashback. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and now there is a different queen, and she's just—I don't know—she's not pleased. Cersei wants power, and she's willing to do whatever she has to do to get it. That includes manipulating Jamie in the way that she did. That includes. Manipulating the sparrow in which way, in whatever way that she needs to. This includes lots of things. <laughs> not, not to mention her work with Kyburn, who has a little friend, a large friend, hiding underneath a, a small bolt of fabric. He's like, calm down, friend. I'm, I'm so. He's, what does he say? Shh. Yeah. Shh. <laughs> I'm working <Shh>. here. <laughs> She's like, make sure this raven, it's, it's her personal uh, assistant now. 
Which, you know, I guess she has less hands than what she's used to because she's now not technically the acting queen. So she has to right. dip into different barrels, have different things done. But uh, there's that. Not that it really denotes much discussion. I'm, I'm curious as to uh, what you guys think, but also those of you at home. Um, I don't know. I, this hasn't necessarily been hinted ever that this is something that's in the series. And if it is... Uh, what, friends, mad science? Well, that and the fact that the mountain could could come back as some kind of a bane slash like juggernaut force, like that's to me what was hinted at the end of last season, and what what appears to be happening now. So, not not I'm just curious as to how people feel about that and what that could mean. Yeah, you know, it's, it's just just, it's just that he's covered in a sheet and he sits up with the sheet covering his face is very reminiscent of those old monster flicks. Yeah, which is cool. Um, it's very cool. It was quite cool to see that and also quite like startling. Um, I, clearly because he sat up unexpectedly, but it's just the, the shot was poised. I, I just, I felt it coming for it to actually have come though. And for Kyburn to talk to it and be so calm about it. It's just, it's just like the, the last episode where he asks her, say, for the dwarves head. He's like, oh, this could be, this could, could prove useful. <laughs> yeah, this could prove useful. And I'm like, what the fuck is He's he like, doing? before you toss that head out, that's a perfectly <laughs> good severed head. It's a perfectly head. good severed dwarf's head. He kind of looks like Tyrion. I, I have no idea what, what. He kept it for good luck is what it is. He's like, I can rub this at any time. <laughs> like right here in my office. Nice. <laughs> nice, Zach. Nice. Um, yeah, look, I, I think the one thing I'll say about Kyburn too that I noticed uh, in this episode is that he mentions to the High Septon uh, that he heard that he was found in a brothel. And um, Kyburn is, of course, the new Master mm-hmm. of Whispers as well. So uh, that's good that he's, he's yeah. doing his job, apparently. He Definitely. apparently has a, a way of finding out information already. So I don't know if that just came with the position or if Kyburn's actually good at uh, recruiting or enlisting uh, spies the way that Varys was. Because I don't, I don't think it's... Uh, something where, oh, you're Master of Whispers now. Here's this network of children who will, you know, spy for you. I, I don't think that's how it works. So right. good for him for doing his job there. Well, how do you feel about this, Kyburn, Micah? I feel like no comment. No comment. See, I do. I do. It's like his silence is saying something here. It's hard because clearly yeah. the work that Kyburn is doing is going to have a payoff somewhere down the line, and we know that he's experimenting and he's been known to do these types of practices in the past. And that's what got his chain revoked from the Citadel. So he's a bit of a mad scientist. He is the Dr. Frankenstein of the series for uh, those who are familiar with it. And we wonder what kind of work he has been doing on the mountain since he was stabbed by uh, Oberyn in, in, in the last season and what other kinds of weird projects is he working on with dwarf heads and who the hell knows what else yeah all right well just tell us we'll cut this out we're gonna get the first ever westerosian head transplant uh (laughs) yeah yeah is that gonna happen it's it's he's he's a freaky guy like he wants that kind of stuff for his own experimentation and yeah he's He's a mad scientist. It's just like for now, his like to his credit, for now he is serving the crown, right? Or he's at least he's serving Cersei. He's doing his job. Yeah. He's he's found the purpose. He's found the perfect people to be working for are gonna allow him to do what what it is that he does. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Kyburn's such an unexpected like ally and unexpected person to have in the middle of it all right now. I find it very interesting. 
Well, new game, new players, new, new circumstances, game, new players, new, players mm-hmm. new objectives. You know, it's a never-ending process, and I think that the show has done a great job to show us that. And the story in general has, and in life in general, it's all just an allegory to to what's happening. And I think that that sort of hum, human, real-world aspect has been driven so hard into the story that we're experiencing in, in this sort of high-fantasy genre. So it's it's quite interesting because this is all falling action from Robert's Rebellion, essentially. And yet, inside of this story, right now, this is falling action from the falling action of that action. It's a bit confusing, <laughs> but it's just life. It goes on, yep. and the story yep. continues. And we wish we had 17 seasons of this, but I'm not sure how many we'll have. I don't think anyone's sure. Well, just as long as uh, when the final season airs, if we're able to walk over to that waterfront and dig into those rocks and get needle back i think we'll all be okay what if at the very end of this the last shot is just aria riding on a dragon <laughs> that bran is inside of she's like i'm getting needle back <laughs> aria had to give everything up in this episode a little bit of sacrifice her clothes her sword her coin i mean nothing really mattered so much as needle to her, but we really gain a lot of insight into, well, in, insight because the hell there were scenes inside the um, house of was it black and white, and uh, very interesting that we're beginning to see what exactly it is that these these men, these faceless men or faceless assassins, however you want to call them, um, it's a discipline, and to see kind of. Was it the representation uh, representation of all the you know religions yeah. uh, that they have in in just that room where Arya was sweeping so diligently um, to kind of try and figure out where exactly their power is derived? I was you know trying to figure that out kind of in my head while watching this episode because we know that there are all kinds of magic in this world and these these faceless men to be able to to change your face the way we've seen Jack and Hagar do. Um, is clearly some form of 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 this magic, and and knowing that there's religious figures uh, represented on the walls of this establishment, um, not to mention a little bit of like House of the Undying type vibe with I don't know if it's the way it's shot or just the way that it's enclosed. Really, but yeah. I, I thought it was like a psychiatric ward. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. that's the kind of vibe that I took away from it with this. Creepy little girl that's slapping Arya on the wrist, <laughs> calling her a cunt. cunt. <laughs> which, hey, Arya, nice uh, yeah. sailor mouth you got going on there. I loved it. Must have been all that time she spent on the ship. Do you kiss your mother with that mouth? Oh wait, it's like hanging out with the hound. Think about it, guys. She, she picked up a few things. All right. Oh yes, yeah, it's, it's the hound. Yeah. You're, you're not right. Just, oh, absolutely. Not just her fighting brutality. All right. She picked up a lot. Sandor was like a surrogate hound. father to our. our you're right. You're right. Star. You're right. Zach and Micah between the hound and Micah, you mentioned the boat. Yeah, sailor yeah. mouth. Okay, I get it. I get it. He's like, you'll have yeah. a cabin. She's like, you're damn right, I will. Look, she's very overeager, or not overeager. She's very eager to to get on with it, and I think that it's interesting because her way of the way that she has about her, right? She's very forceful, very fierce, very bold. I am ready. Um, she still is like continues to jump the gun at, at times, and she's asking the girl when they're washing that man. I, I don't want to call him a corpse. I don't want to jump too far in advance because I really don't know what 
that man's state is. Um, but she's Dead. asking, she's asking what's next, you know, and, and why would just, you not know what state he's in? He looks pretty dead. Why the hell are they washing him then? Because that, <laughs> Eric, that dude's the, been there's dead many practices. Come that, on now. <laughs> the only reason I asked that question is because they're washing him and that seems a little bit pointless, but I don't well, know. No. I think in many religions, it's, it's common practice to wash the body of the dead before mm-hmm. performing any further rituals. And this house looks like a place where, People in Bravos, or or maybe even people from all over, all over Westeros, yeah. Essos, come to deal with things that are troubling them. And as we saw in that really early scene with Jackin, he's feeding this water uh, to this man who, moments later, is lying dead on the floor. So clearly, there was something that was so troubling to this individual that he felt the need, with the assistance of Jackin, to take his own life and that's really dark and (laughs) we you mentioned earlier that we're in this area that has all these gods that are represented but yet when Arya has a conversation with Jackin he reminds her that there is only one god and that she knows his name and then it pans over to the shot of the guy on the floor and it was really a throwback to Sirio and when she was getting her lessons and it, that's why it hit me not just because of John and the fact that John gave her needle and and she's really kind of cleansing herself of her former life but also that needle was really a tie back to Sirio as well and when she first learned how to fight and the ties that Sirio had to Bravos and so there's just a lot of connections to uh former characters and and just other plot lines that we saw in, in previous seasons. And, I, and it was a lot for Arya to kind of take in in that moment and, and realize that she was really letting go of herself. She was no longer Arya uh, when she walked back into that house and you, know, she was able to get rid of everything, finally change her costume, but get rid of everything <laughs> except for needle. There was so much for us to take in as well. Uh, the scenes underscored by Ramin Jawadi's beautiful yeah. uh, new work. It's really good scoring. I, I loved it, and I think it's done nothing but progressed over the years. Obviously, um, they're all becoming more comfortable with what they're creating with Game of Thrones, and uh, they're all um, really using sound to craft such an experience for us, which I've been I've been lucky enough to see, whether through the screening this year or through the IMAX experience, just feeling the way it, it works so much more into the program. And uh, kind of being a bit more mindful of that as, as these important moments uh, go across. And just just feeling where we are and, and seeing the set. I really loved this particular wide shot when they were going down the stairs after Arya went ahead and said that she's ready after the Game of Faces, after the stick incident. And uh, I definitely changed my, my stripes a little bit as it went on. Like the, the faces, the representations of the other gods... I felt like this is this is some this is some in-game stuff, not necessarily in-game of the whole story, but just it's really it's really bringing something on that we haven't experienced before, which is which is this mystery, the way that all of these people that are all of these deities that all of these people that we've experienced over the story are being are being represented in this far off sort of monolithic mysterious place. And you've got these people that have the ability to essentially shapeshift. And we've got this order that we quite don't know enough about. And we've got this 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 house, this place where 
like Mike said, that people are coming maybe to to end things or or to move on or to you know something that we don't quite understand yet, but we know that this person drank the water and you know Valor Harris was said all men must yeah, die and all men must serve. There's a lot to this, right? It's mm-hmm. we don't quite understand the breadth of it all yet. Yeah, and further ceremonies being performed on that man after he died. Um, and those words again, those words, all men must die, all men must serve. I believe that's the order that um, they were said even by by the man who drank the cup. And I'm wondering if that's the right order. All men must die, all men must serve. Because I, I really just don't. Those words seem very important, those phrases. And I think so. it seemed like they were prepping the body for something. I mean, I don't know if this is the right time for for wild theories but what if what if this is the way that they're able to sort of to get their host for how they're changing their faces like what if what if essentially they're just a they've been able to harvest i don't know if harvest is the right thing oh that's a great freaking word though <laughs> to harvest to harvest these identities maybe these people that like willingly gave up uh right they, they were going to die and so now that in their death they're serving and in the same way that faceless men are serving the god of death which is the many-faced God, which is the representation of all of these different deities in this hall, essentially. Mm-hmm. If the many-faced God is the God of death, and they're all essentially what he's saying, they're the same thing. Everything is the same. We have yeah. light, and we have we have black and white. We have light, and we have dark. We have death and life. And, uh, oh God, there's a lot there. I had a really similar thought. I mean, I was expecting this girl to hand Arya a knife and like expect her to cut his his face off. Um, I mean, I, I, I just, I, I think that is probably something that makes sense that that's where that would be headed. And then Micah sits idly by, listening and waiting. You're like Jack and Hagar for us right now in this <laughs> podcast. I hold all the information. Well, up to a point. It's hard to to speculate about this stuff, but I, I think that the theory that you have is something that I never even consider, and I think it's really awesome to be honest with you that this could potentially be the means in which they are able to be these faceless assassins and to change their appearance on a whim. And we'll just have to wait and see how this develops uh, during the season because this whole process, and my memory's a little foggy uh, in terms of the House of Black and White and, and what training ultimately Arya goes through, but it's clear that she's going to be experiencing a lot uh both from Jackin as well as this other girl it, it's almost like that's uh her her training companion and uh, what about the game that they that they said that they were playing the game of faces and she's not ready, ready for it yet she's not ready for the game yet i mean if she's not ready for the game she can't be ready for the training or can she i am ready i just have to dance around so many things that i, I, <laughs> Love to see I, I wish i could anything. give a very clear nice answer <laughs> yeah. yeah it's it's a it's a hard position to be in because i would love to talk more about yeah some yeah, things course. but I, I think that the theorizing is on the right track and it's certainly something that should be entertained because it, it's a really, really great uh, idea. Well, Arya is in, in just such a disadvantage. You know, clearly this girl has either been there longer or has been raised along the lines of similar beliefs that led her to this same place you know what i'm saying like i she, well she earned the coin she yeah right that's that's exactly the line that that fits um 
what I was hoping to say. Yeah, Zach, just think about that though. Yeah, that's. I mean, she is certainly at a disadvantage, comparatively speaking. And I understand this person's, this child's anger or just you know annoyance toward Arya because she's there with a coin that she did not earn, essentially disrespecting their their traditions with her eagerness and being. Uh, not content and being, you know, annoyed with the fact that she needs to sweep and and sort of pay her dues, and it's kind of like the, you know, the the grasshopper grandmaster uh, difference we've seen in, in lots of stories. Like eventually, maybe you know, she'll go through hardship and she'll find a right. way to to rise up and be a good pupil. Um, but you know, she's not really earned the position position that she's in. But at the same time, you know, this is this is where she is, and this is what she is doing, and she made sacrifices. And this episode, not completely, which I'm curious as to how that will affect the overall situation that she's entered in with not necessarily giving up on Needle completely. This is Mm -hmm. all just interesting, Uh, apart from the supernatural things, apart from the mystery with the men, apart from just the overall nuances with who are these people. Arya's, her position in particular, particular is is very intriguing. I'm going to say that word again. And they're doing a great job with that. And uh, I feel... Maybe when you're watching and thinking, all of these thoughts aren't. I don't. They definitely weren't going through my head. But as we, as I talk, and as I'm sitting here with my friends, and we're and we're hashing this out for all of you, but also ourselves, I feel like I I feel many more things than I did at that particular moment. So I'm curious as to how it will all play out because uh, there's a lot of different levels and layers associated with what's happening, and mm-hmm. I'm just kind of I'm I'm, I'm baffled how it's all going to unwind in in this season. It'll be it'll be really interesting to see how far Arya is is made to take her abandonment of her uh identity because she is one of the few remaining Starks um as well and for her to I mean all the other Starks were murdered and grievously killed and for her to just abandon her identity by <clears throat> throwing all of her stuff in in a in a lake um you know or into the sea uh it's 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 a bit tough to watch, or I think it's going to be tougher to watch in future episodes if if it ever becomes more difficult for her, because the Starks are important, right? Each of them is tied to the North and tied to a wolf. I mean, every Stark had a wolf at one point too, and I know in the books she's got like wolf dreams and shit to deal with. So it's it's really tough to see another Stark die in in a, in a way because she's choosing or made to be or made to choose like the loss of her identity. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Uh again, just another twist on this on this layer of twists. <laughs> Lots of drama. If you can uh, <laughs> indulge me for a second though. I'll indulge you. There was anytime. Uh, well, especially after our, our uh, conversation earlier. Uh, of course. But oh god. If you remember <laughs> all the way back to uh season 3, there's a moment uh between Arya and Melisandre uh, when she comes to get Gendry and Melisandre looks directly into Arya's eyes and she says, I see a darkness in you. Mm-hmm. And in that darkness, eyes staring back at me, brown eyes, blue eyes, green eyes. Oh, oh damn. Micah. Eyes that are shut forever. and Eyes that are shut forever. That's I dead wonder damn. if this damn. all ties in to you. where she is now. <laughs> That's a lot of different eyes. 
my mind is blown. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you pick Game of Thrones for a reason. That's all I have to say. Because <laughs> I'm like, that's, <laughs> you, that's you, why I picked it. Oh, this is good. That's so good. Oh, I'm so excited. I, I was waiting so long for her to, to make it here, and I'm not disappointed. We've got Jack and Hagar. Whether or not it's like that in the books, fine. We've got yeah. Ben drinking water and dying. We've got a burning heart. We've got <laughs> Ben drinking face. water and dying. I'm sold. Right? <laughs> but also the most important thing that Melisandre says, mm-hmm. we'll meet again. Well, there are red priestesses spread throughout. That's true. Well, speaking of red priestesses, uh, there was one that made an appearance in Volantis. Uh, but as mentioned earlier on in the show... Uh, there were a lot of pivotal moments in this episode, and we can't possibly get to all of them in just one episode. We want to give it the proper time, kind of like what we did uh, on uh, the second episode of last week, where we spent a lot of time on top of the wall with our good friend uh, Terry Schwartz talking about John and Stannis. And I think that's what we're going to plan to do here. Uh, we'll get into what happened in Volantis. We'll also uh, talk about what happened up at the wall, uh, as well as what led into that scene uh, with Pod and Brienne, because there's some really interesting backstory that we learned from Brienne and also from Pod, Yeah, uh, but Brienne specifically as it relates to Renly uh, and why she has such a strong allegiance to him. So uh, there's just so much stuff that happened uh, that we want to make sure we do it the right way. This is hard. It is. Because now we're going to wait a few more days to talk about these things that I feel like I need, need to talk out. And now now we'll have to wait a few more days for us to, to listen to these discussions. But like Mike, I said, I know it's going to be worth it. Um, we want to. I, I definitely think it, it deserves the proper amount of discussion. These are huge moments, uh, especially uh just what's happening with Jon Snow at the wall? It's, it's Stannis. <laughs> this is just it's all it's all too much. We're gonna we're gonna visit it. We're gonna and you're all gonna come with us. It'll be good. Come along for the ride in the cart to Volantis. Is it okay though to give some of those like if our own is comp- compacted in no. those scenes? Yeah, can- mine mine is in there too. So okay. oh, I was gonna I was gonna say um you know guys there is one way that we can visit uh those <laughs> locations on this episode and that is if one of them hat or more happened to strike your own for the episode which of course we must do because this is our first response episode to episode three which was high sparrow so did the high sparrow get any of your owns for being for having the title named after him hell no <laughs> props for having the title named after him uh remind me of lord snow uh from season one etc uh, for me there's only one option for the own of this episode okay I want only to hear one. It. Let's go. Well, there's okay. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's only our one listeners would tend to disagree with that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let me let me rephrase that uh, because uh, now I'm just being reckless. <laughs> For me, there <laughs> that was, was a pretty reckless. <laughs> clear standout. We feel emotions. I'm sure you guys know that by now. Um, it's very important that we that we're all connected in this together and the lives of these fictional characters that we share with each other. But for some reason, uh, today, tonight, on screen, when I saw Sansa re-entering a very familiar room in Winterfell, and that woman looked at her and said, the North remembers, I was, you know, that kind of transcended the moment of a television show for me. I thought about Ned, I thought about Rob, I thought about Catelyn, I thought about everything. And uh, it was just... I tweeted about Ned. (laughs) Yeah, I saw that. that. That was really nice. And it was such a good picture of him, too. Sean Bean looked... 
looked wonderful. Baller. He like, oh. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I own this. I made Game of Thrones cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just I agree with you. It made me. It just made me feel a lot. And I know that there was a whole lot of really, really excellently written moments and liners. How about just Mace Tyrell walking in when the High Septon walks into the uh, the small <laughs> council, uh, and he's like, "Oh, these things happen to me on the High Septon." Mace Tyrell is just walking by him and like smirks or whatever. Like, go back and watch that, people. If you have HBO now or go because that was really excellent. Just there, this episode was full of moments like that. But I don't know, guys. That the North remembers. I felt a lot. I felt. More than what you should feel from a television show, and I am not ashamed. It may be the own of the season, just because you don't know what it's going to lead to. Is is right. there going to be some sort of rebellion that maybe Bellish planned? Maybe uh, he does know what he's doing, and he does have an idea about Ramsey Bolton. And so it's interesting. I really felt it the same way Zach did when you know just the emotion. old man type of person that we saw there which was an old man obviously because i believe the actress passed away uh, but back, yeah. she was also killed in the show uh and so just to see that who knows maybe that person was never even in winterfell when sansa was there many years ago or perhaps she was and and she was an old uh servant uh for lack of a better term of yeah. of the starks and and so small folks just to hear those lines you know that there's hope you know that somewhere there are people who are planning to take it back and and i think that that's what at least in part for now makes me feel safe for sansa in some capacity like i, yeah. I feel okay that she's going to be there because you have people like that who are uttering those words so that's exactly and, and for me it wasn't even it wasn't even about the uh, hopeful retribution. It was even just singularly that moment, that person that was able to look at her and and remind her and to remind us watching of everything that has happened and uh, that the North will remember because it's been there and it will remain there. So, Eric, your own went to the High Sparrow. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I you... thought that you were touting him like he was the greatest oh, thing since oh. sliced bread. Well, my own goes to the High something this episode septon okay. i'm going to give it now look this is not something i give uh free oh, lightly <laughs> especially especially after the performance by alfie allen and you can't episode. give it to the yeah, point he, of view character listen, alfie allen did murder it this episode he is yeah absolutely, absolutely so thrilled to see him take this role which which isn't always uh front and center in fact rarely ever um he may i mean his character's biggest moments may have been in season two for all we know, but he's still there able to give us this performance that he does. So Alfie came really close uh, to, to the own, um, but no, I'm going to give it to the high Septon um, because after much consideration, I just don't think you can get more blasphemous than he did dressing up <laughs> whores in the whorehouse, dressing them up as the seven, that the was seven, amazing. Yeah, the seven true. gods, which you are in charge of communicating with or bringing, you know, you're the voice of, of the seven mm -hmm. and he's dressing up whores to look like them and then taking them to bed with him. So just in terms of, uh, really, um, bastardizing your, your, your role here, and and being as undutiful as you can possibly be in in, in any role, uh, let alone the most highly respected you know religious role of the land. Mm. Uh, own to you, I wouldn't even call you good sir. Get the hell out of here! You disgust me. You're fired. Right. Donald yeah, Trump comes in. <laughs> Clean out your locker at the gym, Bob. You're fucking fired. 
So that leaves me, I guess. Yeah, man. Uh, and and so my own actually goes to somebody that we're going to talk about next week. But I just felt that it was such a important moment when Brienne is talking about Renly mm-hmm. and why she feels the way that she does towards him. And it just, the line, he saved me from being a joke. And that, to me, it just, it was an own worthy moment uh, that you hear how good of a person, not that we didn't know before, uh, Renly Baratheon was. And Mm -hmm. he, in a a great moment of need for her, Mm -hmm. saved her from being a joke uh, in front of her friends and in front of her family. And, uh, you know, tip of a cap to, to Renly for that. Yeah, it seems to have just come naturally to him as a character. This is hard because I want to talk about all of that. That was... Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, well, listen, that's more of a reason for you guys to join us next week. Or not next week. Uh, let's yeah. Later this uh, week. Yeah, later on in the week. I'm already getting ahead of myself. It's uh, There's a lot there. Even though it seems like it was a, a quick scene, you know, feeling what we were able to feel from that story of both her and Pod, lots, lots to discuss. And uh, I just want to tip of the hat. Uh, and uh, tip of the helmet, whatever. <laughs> I All saying. I can think of is that scene from uh, Meaning of Life that people aren't wearing enough hats. There we go. I, well, I, my mind's been in Westeros for the past hour and a half, so forgive me. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. To Renly Baratheon for being a good guy for the, the for the length of his story and for George for writing such a, a cool character. You know, being the king's mm-hmm. brother, and not a lot of people can talk <laughs> shit to that guy. So I, I really would have loved to have seen that scene captured, and I understand. Brienne's presence as much as I'll say about it we'll save it for the fully fleshed out yes, discussion yes later Renly on Baratheon <laughs> you may yet be avenged there's that those were our owns hope you guys enjoyed them I'd like to give uh, 17 more owns but I don't think that's how we do it I guess that's not how we've done it yet who knows what will happen uh, as the season progresses. <laughs> Eric, Mike, and Zach each give 17 owns. Yeah, we're just going to give all of the owns. No, we'll uh, we'll have the next episode to read all of yours. We hope that you enjoyed our episode last week. Um, we had a uh, delightful uh, reading again by the campfire of mm-hmm. all of the, the things that everyone was writing in. And there was more than we could say. And there's, I don't know, I don't want to go and count how many Mike has been retweeting from our Twitter account. But uh, uh, there's quite several... a few. And I think there's about... 65 replies or so that I haven't. Wait, let me check. 81. Okay. Oh, so they're still piling in and uh, a lot of people <laughs> are still watching in the UK as yet too at the time of this uh of this recording. And mm-hmm. so just just keep it just keep it going. Uh tell us your thoughts, tell us your woes, tell us your concerns, tell us how it made you feel because that's important to us. We want to know how it made you feel. Yep. So one way as Zach mentioned to do that is on Twitter, just tweet at us. At Game of Owns. You could also scroll upon our wall, facebook.com slash Game of Owns. I posted a nice picture there for you of Arya sweeping the house of black and white and ordered you to sweep your owns our way. So, hey, all listeners must serve, okay? We make sure right. you send us owns. That's funny, man. That's funny. And if you all prefer must to serve. write us in longer format, you can do so. Contact at gameofowns.com, which is our email. And we're going to pull a few of those out of our hat or out of our satchel and, and throw Whatever them out onto the, uh, the fire on next week's uh, or later this week's, whatever the fuck we're <laughs> calling it at this it's point hard, yeah. episode. <laughs> it's late. We're looking forward to uh, getting all those owns. People gotten really creative 
we really enjoyed the hashtags during our last own ceremony. <laughs> you like yeah, how I called it a ceremony? <laughs> yep, that's a ceremony. Yep. I feel like yeah. this, is, this has all become a ceremony, especially during the season. I'm like breathing. Yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. I know everyone's watching this episode on TV because it's very important to them and they're going to be listening to this. And it's just like, okay, I hope this is all right. <laughs> not only can I not wait till we get to the owns, but I can't wait till we get to talk about Tyrion and, and John and Stannis and Davos. The fact that Jorah's there. Uh, Jorah. What? Indiana Jorah, God. as I called him. I literally. Who's, who's got a rope handy for anything, apparently. He does. He does. He's missing a really cool See, hat. Yeah, I'm but... pretty sure it was moments before it was probably for hanging himself. Can somebody please meme up Jorah? Yeah, have that by <laughs> that by Wednesday. Obviously, if we don't leave now, we're going to keep recording for the next hour and a half. And wouldn't you like yep. that for us all to be sleep deprived in our life as we move into uh, the week proper? Uh, the third episode is aired. We hope that you've all felt it. This is where we have to do plugs and things. So bear with us. Um, what's there to plug, guys? Uh, iTunes. That's where a lot of people start a show. You need to go in there. I, don't, I never do the iTunes plug. I'm going to hand it over to Micah. I literally do not know what I'm doing. Just do what Zach said. <laughs> and hand it over to you, Micah? <laughs> One other way that you can get in touch with the show is on iTunes. You can leave us a rate and review. And we are in the midst of Season 5, so we really do appreciate those of you who review the show because... It, iTunes is a way that other people who are interested in Game of Thrones can find out that we exist as a companion to the uh, the TV series. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is important, and we do appreciate it. And in the month of April and in the midst of Season 5, nothing less than five stars is acceptable, despite what some people have tried to do recently. That will be corrected. And... Uh, <laughs> Just know that there's a good chance that you will befall the same fate as Janos Slint. The many-faced god is watching. What he said. And uh, for those of you looking for more Game of Owns, of course, we do have our episode coming up yeah, uh, that's later not this enough. week. <laughs> but if that's not enough, no, no. But we also have uh, additional content. This may be not the first time you've heard about this, but it's super important uh, to continue to remind you because over at Patreon, patreon.com slash goo, listeners of the show who have chosen to contribute are receiving additional content that we provide on a monthly basis, sometimes intermonthly. On, <laughs> and there's a number of um, different options for you over there, and it just really supports the show. And uh, it supports basically just us friends getting to make the content that we really enjoy making. We don't advertise on the show. I know we mentioned that at the top of this uh, top of this episode that uh, unlike other shows, we've had to find other ways and means to get by. And I really think that you know, with our wonderful um, listeners who we hear from on a weekly basis, we, we're doing something quite special and quite intimate over on Patreon. And I think that it's something that uh, if you try it out, um, you'll be more than impressed with. Uh, with the experience. So definitely go check that out at uh, patreon.com slash goo. You feel it? I feel it. Were you feeling it? We're getting closer to episode four, which feels weird because episode three just aired, but we're getting there, guys. We're moving. I have no idea. Steadily forward. What to expect. I just expect people to just uh, get like a crossbow bolt through the brain, right through the head at the end of each episode. Danny's going to be riding her dragon. Just flying across the sea, attacking people, attacking Boltons with glee. Michael Bolton's there playing a song. Just eats him. So fly well, Drogon. Meet us midweek this week. Otherwise, we'll see you all next week on Game of Own.
Jones. That was a sexy closing. I like that. I have to get out of this wheelhouse. 